to Marvel by the Month, where for 100 episodes, we have taken you on a tour of Marvel Comics history one month at a time. My name is Brian Stratton. And mine is Rob Milne. Rob, we made it to episode 100. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, so many people have lost so much money on that bet. (laughs) I feel like it's, you know, we stumbled, we caught ourselves, and we kept stumbling, and it's just like the best slapstick routine ever. You know, yeah. that's what I feel like getting to 100 is like um, Yep, it's falling pretty, down a lot of stairs. It's just like a perpetual <laughs> zombie lurch forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we <laughs> we accidentally created what might be the most labor intensive <laughs> podcast in the world, uh, oh, which yeah. is not my intention when we got going. But I was not looking down the road 100 episodes to what we were going to have to do. We were just innocently going to read the start of our favorite stuff. That was the plan. It yep. seems so simple. <laughs> seems so simple. Um, I don't like I, I feel like I, we, we've talked like bits and pieces about what goes into this thing. But since this is episode 100, uh, maybe we can uh, peel back the curtain a little bit. Um, do, do you want to uh, start out by just talking a little bit about what all goes into making these episodes? Sure. I mean, first of all, uh, for me, uh, I have the light part um, for the sort of research, I, but I uh, I do make all the music and the the songs, um, the the intro songs and um, and I do the mastering. So I can get to that sort of in order. But first, what we have to do is read yes. um, my <laughs> I keep. Uh, the running library in my Marvel Unlimited. Uh, there are probably a few issues that we've read for other podcasts that we've guested on um, and a couple that I just have in there uh, because maybe we talked to a creator and I put one in to remind myself. But I have 779 uh, <laughs> issues of comics in that. And that's that's just the one. So I've read for this. I read other right. comics, too. <laughs> and uh, when we get a break, I read stacks of graphic novels yeah. because I can read uh, and take it in a lot more quickly now after doing this uh, so long. Yeah. But yeah, so we read. Um, that's that's one of the bulk of my lift. But while I'm doing that, you're. You're being the band manager. Like I always call this, I always call this the band and I'm the bass player and I show up for every practice, but you're the guy who books all the shows who, uh, you know, gets, make sure we have all the gear, does all the contracts, whatever, you know, you're the, you're the guy. Um, and it's, and you do the booking and you, you, that's wrangling, that's asking people, that's gently prodding them to remind them that you exist and hoping they have listened to it enough to want to be on. And you do this so well. And occasionally I, I mean, help, but 
it's all you. Or, or I just say, hey, can you bug this person? That would be cool if they were on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, there, there's there's a lot of logistics involved with that part, but um, it is I am not going to lie. It's pretty cool to be able to reach out to, you know, a podcaster or a comics creator who I've been a fan of for a long time and just out of the blue, it's like, hey, I have this thing. Do you want to be a part of this thing? And then when they say yes um and that success ratio has been much higher than i thought it would be <laughs> way um, higher <laughs> they uh it, it's like wow uh clint mcelroy or elliot kalen or john hodgman or mike allred or matt fraction or any of the mark uh, wade Jeez. yeah yeah amazing uh, array of guests we've had on the show uh they're just like yeah i'll hang out with you for an hour or two and talk about comics I would love to do that. Um, and every time it happens, I'm, I'm astounded. And yeah. Grateful. And, and when they say they'll come back, I remember talking to Joe Keating the first time and he was just ready for it. He wanted, you know, he was ready to go have a beer after and talk more about yes. comics. But, uh, but he said, yeah, I want to come back anytime. And that's, we've, that's the other thing. Everybody that we do talk to seems to want to do it some more. Like it's fun for them. And yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, also, uh, like doing this show, I have kind of accidentally become uh, way more knowledgeable about 1960s American history, uh, like the order that things go in um, and what leads to what and, and all that. Like when we do the historical context at the top of the show, that's stuff that, you know, I'm pulling generally from wikipedia it's not a deep dive i'm not you know i, I don't have a stack of volumes next to me <laughs> um but uh but yeah i mean just to have like this fundamental understanding of you know this happened before this but after this um is, yeah it's pretty crazy and i think my only addition to that is is beatles lore uh <laughs> you know going through my many beatles history books and the beatles the beatles bible online by the way for anybody who wants to get a month by month, day by day, um, history of what they're doing is an excellent resource. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we record the thing. Um, and then we edit the thing and, and sometimes getting that down to uh, an acceptable length is heartbreaking because there's stuff that gets left on the cutting room floor, but we have a solution for that that we'll tell you about in just a second. Um, and yeah, uh, then, you know, we, we post it, uh, we promote it on the social channels, uh, and then, we jump right back into getting ready for the next episode. <laughs> we start the minute we're done that night. I have to start reading for the next one to make sure <laughs> I get it done by the next recording. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why we took a break for a few weeks after the end of the last season, uh, just to recuperate a little bit. Also, figure out how we can sustain this thing going forward, because uh, we really love doing it and we want to keep doing it. Um so a couple uh, big announcements uh, for this show. Um, so first, we started a Patreon. Um, it's uh, patreon.com slash Marvel by the month. Um, if you are not familiar with Patreon, uh, it's a place where uh, creators can uh, basically set up a subscription um, so that they can get compensated by their fans for the stuff that they create for them. Um, and, you know, we set it up because sort of you know, the line between a hobby and a job is basically, are you getting paid for it? Um, and I can't honestly think of the last time I worked this hard at something for free. Uh, uh, I was in bands for a long time, so I have, but, um, uh, or, you know, gone in debt 
for it, which I think we both have done a little (laughs) bit on this too. But again, that's why I always compare it to a band. It's like, uh, it's so much work. Um, and so now, you know, the first, the first four, the first subscriber we get on Patreon, we're pros. That's as far as I'm concerned. We're pros. Yeah. (laughs) And we, we support, uh, I know between the two of us, we support a ton of Patreons and Kickstarters and other crowdfunding initiatives. Um, because we believe creators should get paid for what they create. And, you know, a lot of podcasts, including some podcasts that I really love, have just kind of ended after a year or two um, because it really becomes increasingly difficult to justify the time and the effort that goes into putting a thing out week after week and month after month. Uh, we want to keep doing this as long as you all want to keep listening to it. Um, and considering that there seem to be more of you every week, uh, hopefully this is one way, uh, that we will be able to do that. Um, so if you are not in a position to be able to subscribe right now, we totally understand this has been a hell of a year and change. Um, (laughs) it's like, and even I totally get it. Like if you, if you don't have enough money right now to cover all the bases you need to cover, then even a very small monthly ask is still more money than you have. Uh, I have been there. There is no shame in that. Um, thank you for listening. Um, catch us up when you're able to catch us up. Um, but, uh, you know, we are going to make sure that we still deliver quality stuff in the free feed. Um, you are just able to get more stuff, uh, if you are able to, uh, help us out a little bit. Um, so Rob, would you like to tell the good folks what they can get for, uh, supporting us on the Patreon? Hell yeah. So, so what you get for subscribing on, uh, to the Patreon is, uh, it's pretty modest two tiers for $1 a month. You get our heartfelt appreciation of your support for the show. Plus Patreon supporter exclusive emails about upcoming things that could be, um, some of the swag stuff I make, some of our, you know, our shop, our shirts are, um, or just, uh, maybe the guests that, you know, knowing what's going to be coming down the line, we get really excited when we know we book someone. So we'd love to share that in advance. Yeah. Uh, also we, <laughs> we are going to be doing live shows again as soon as it's safe oh, to do that. So yes. yeah, that'll be a good way to find out about them. We will definitely be at, um, you know, comics, uh, occasions around Portland and the Northwest, maybe even all the way down the West coast, if we can't afford it. And, uh, and so speaking of that, so the other tier, so we've got $1 tier and the, uh, fantastic $4 per month will get you the second tier. You get to access, uh, our new subscriber only feed of content. So, uh, go to patreon.com slash Marvel by the month, find out more. Yeah. Um, Our goal for the subscriber feed is to make you feel that you're getting uh, quality and quantity of content that consistently feels worth at least a buck a week. Um, And that's going to include extended regular episodes. So we don't have to cut and leave on the cutting room floor some of the great stuff um, that our guests come out with. Um, uh, We're going to do bonus episodes every two to three weeks that uh, only subscribers are going to be able to hear. Um, we're also going to be doing quick hits companion episodes to our regular episodes that talk through, um, all the comics that came out that we didn't cover in the main episode. Um, and as soon as you join at that $4 a month level, you basically get access to everything in the subscriber feed. So if it's not something you can do right now, don't sweat it. You're not going to miss out on it. It'll all be waiting for you at patreon.com slash Marvel by the month. Once you can, 
Um, and we'll have additional tiers rolling out uh, eventually, but you know, this is what we can get our arms around right now. So this is what we're doing. Um, now, you might have noticed that we started out the episode complaining about all the work we have to do, and then we <laughs> announced a Patreon that seems like it's going to require a ton of additional work. <laughs> um, so, yes, kind of, but also um, by being able to like provide more opportunities for the content to live uh, in the world, um, it actually saves a little bit of editing time for, again, not having to you know figure out what we're going to keep and what we're going to have to cut. Um, uh, and we are also going to be bringing in some additional help. Uh, Rob, would you like to uh, talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, uh, we've been secretly auditioning this person for a while now, although he didn't know it. <laughs> he, he's been a guest four times on the show. He knows his Marvel comics backwards and forwards, and he's always been very obliging about reading ginormous stacks of them uh when whenever we've needed him to we call on him when there is a pile that month and he always <laughs> comes through uh so we're excited to introduce the second and a half host of marvel by the month jamie wenger hey, hey. yeah we're still workshopping second and a half but you know <laughs> And like, I don't want to come in here and start making demands immediately, but I feel like having my own theme song is like probably appropriate. You know, okay. some, some entrance music at the very least. We'll get there some people go. working on that. I can run down the aisle too with my arms up. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, so Jamie, now that you have signed the standard uh, Martin Goodman work for hire contract, which <laughs> stipulates that you own nothing uh, and you agree to be erased from the history books as soon as you leave the company. <laughs> what an uh, honor. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so now, now that you've been promoted, I don't know if promoted is the right word uh, from from guest to co-host. Cursed, uh, possibly. Cursed, yeah. yeah. Um, now, now that you've been incarcerated as our co-host, uh, let's let's talk about your your comics bona fides a little bit, because uh, I feel like this is something maybe we haven't done as deep of a dive on um, uh, in your previous appearances. But um, when and how did you get into reading comics? Ooh, uh, I probably. I mean, I would guess my answer is similar to many of the people who listen to the show is, uh, you know, I was snooping through a closet and <laughs> found uh, buried under a pile of clothes and bins and uh, old shoes, uh, a white box. And I pulled that white box out and, you know, took off the lid. And inside were all these wrapped uh, comic books that my dad had uh, and had been into when he was a kid. Uh, and of course, they, you know, everyone tells the same story about how they had boxes and boxes or, or I guess back then just piles and piles and piles. And then someone's grandmother or, hmm. you know, uh, had to throw it away because the war demand for paper was high or what, <laughs> what, whatever was going on back then that required people to throw out the stuff they owned. Um, yeah. So I just kind of like systematically read through my dad's comics. Uh, I was probably like borderline 10, give or take. Um and he had them in the in the you know the mylar bags, uh, and they were all taped closed. But as a child, I like couldn't master the art of untaping the back and removing the comic. <laughs> so I probably ripped almost every single one of those comics, <laughs> taking it out of the bag, managed to deface all of them. Um, but that era, yeah, there was a, a ton of Spider-Man, a ton of Fantastic Four. Um, like there was like one or two of the uh, Sergeant Fury or Sergeant Rock, or there there were some war ones that didn't really stick. Um, but yeah, those are those are definitely my first ones. Wow, I, I mean, love I love that that story. I know for many of us, when you find that box under the clothes and under the shoes, 
there's a 50 50 chance there's porn in there so i'm glad <laughs> yeah, i'm yeah. glad that there were comics <laughs> yeah yeah at that age yes could have set you in a very different direction <laughs> um that's that's a very on-brand origin story for this podcast uh yeah that's fantastic um yeah i i definitely didn't start out with the older stuff like i i was um you know i i got into it through friends who had discovered the local comic store and you know so i was reading the current stuff and then had to dive back into the older stuff but um but what is your like your marvel comics sweet spot as as far as eras go um so yeah i will jump forward to christmas uh probably three or four years later i got a random uh i'm, I'm originally from the east coast um there was a stall a store called caldor <laughs> um <laughs> I am probably the only listener who knows that <laughs> knows that name, but it was like a big department store kind of thing um, that just vanished from the face of the earth. Uh, and someone got me a two pack of Uncanny X Men uh, around like two seventy five and two seventy three. It like or like two. It wasn't even consecutive issues. Like that's mm -hmm. how little care went into like <laughs> them making this two pack. Um, so it's like, uh, Xavier is in space or coming back from space with the Shi'ar and it's like right before, before the Muir Island saga. Okay. Um, so I got those and was like, what is going on? Like, who are these people? What's, what's the story here? Um, and then like another year went by before I was in a seven 11 and, uh, there was executioner song, uh, the first, the first volume that ends with Xavier kind of taking it in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's like when I started in earnest and enthusiastically and then like a comic shop opened up down the street. I had a pull box and it was just so like 90s X-Men, I guess, is the <laughs> the short answer that I answered. Yeah. Kind of and in nice. the big, you know, space opera time of X-Men, too, which is uh, yeah, where they I, I mean, X-Men have been everywhere, certainly. But that's that's mm -hmm. an excellent time to get on board. And I think yeah. I, I'd been reading since. Uh, from like four years old, my dad collected comics. So, oh wow, I had read X Men during the, you know, the introduction of like arcade, and uh, as the the team, you know, started to add the new members, and you know, have Wolverine, and um, so yeah, getting to that that part where they become it becomes like half heroes, half sci fi, which is you know all part of the. And fantasy, all those things are mixed so thoroughly well in the Marvel universe, but it's awesome to get uh, that piece or come in at that time, you know? Yeah. The, the and, and the puzzle, the never ending puzzle of like, what, when did this start? Like, there has yeah. to be a point in time when this began. Yeah. And yeah. like, how much of that information can I get? Which like pre-internet is a huge challenge. Oh yeah, that's a lot so of dusty bins. Yeah, yeah, it's archaeology, really. I mean, you're yep. you're like a cultural anthropologist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like pre-internet and pre like collection, you know, like trade paperback collections. Like it was really really tricky. I, I think Marvel was always a little bit better than DC about keeping their stuff reprinted. Um, and then they do things like, do you remember that Marvel Saga series where they would basically it was like half text and like selected panels from Marvel history. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's like I feel like they were always trying to, like, keep you caught up enough. Um, but it was still like I mean, there was a lot of stuff. There's still a lot of stuff. You know, I've been reading Marvel Comics now for 30 years, probably. And there's stuff I'm not 100 percent sure. on. like, 
how exactly did this happen? Yeah. yeah. And um, at least we have this so that we know if we keep doing it, someday we'll find out. <laughs> but I mean, it really has filled in some spots in those, you know, post Marvel masterworks, like the first 10 or 12 issues of any given title. Yeah. Um, which I think we both had a pretty, a solid grounding of, but once you get past that, you get into the, you know, issue 80 of fantastic four. And right. you're like, I maybe read that in a, reprint in an annual in something but but there's just tons of missing spaces and no, we're yeah. we're we've been filling in a few of those already for me you know in yep. what we've gotten to in the the <laughs> seven years of marvel comics we've covered <laughs> yeah and like i i kind of wonder in the, the like how fandom operates is like that's why us nerd folks are so pedantic and like frustrated with continuity you know, like, oh, that's not the color purple pants he would have worn then. Like, <laughs> like, we care about all those silly, stupid details because it was such hard work yeah, to figure that stuff out, to get there. Yeah. And like, I wonder as the internet, like, changes what fandom means and, and all that stuff, if that will kind of fall away a little bit because like, the research is easy. Yeah, and it's, mm -hmm. it's like a given that you'll like, you can just go up and look up whatever it is, or you can order it from, you know, the internet. Like, yeah, I just wonder if that will change the the like fandoms uh iron iron fist when it comes to like being accurate towards the past yeah, yeah i i feel like um now the knowledge is not necessarily the uh the important thing it's it's being able to you know be charming on a podcast about it so <laughs> yeah. we, we've got that covered <laughs> yeah. white sweat from brow yeah. <laughs> charming well, right okay yeah, yeah. always forget that part <laughs> well jamie we are so happy to have you on board for as many of the next 100 episodes as you can tolerate being a part of <laughs> um uh, as we usually do between seasons um we are going to spend some of this episode recapping uh what had happened in previous seasons um, we started doing this because our early episodes were so rough. We didn't want to force people to listen to them uh, in order to be caught up. Um, but now we do it because asking folks to listen to 120 hours or whatever of content is uh, that's that's a heavy lift. Uh, although we know that many of you have done exactly that. Um, we appreciate you. We're a little scared of you, um, but we, we appreciate <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, you're as crazy as us. Uh <laughs> <laughs> And uh, because this is episode 100, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how we've seen some of these characters and series evolve from their humble beginnings. Um, and some of you sent in some very nice 100 episode congratulations, uh, which we will be playing in between segments like this. I'm a huge fan of Matt Fraction and to hear his personality shine through in your videos is absolutely phenomenal. My personal favorite is the breakdown of Jim Steranko's Nick Fury. I love the episodes. I think you're doing a great job. I love everybody working on them. I love the content. I love just listening to them when I'm working. I want to break into comics, so it's also really helpful insight for someone who wants to get into that field. Love the content. Keep it up. Can't wait for episode 100. Welcome back. Uh, so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about um, the Fantastic Four and what they were up to uh, last season um, and uh, what they have been up to since there has been a Fantastic Four. Uh, so season five was all about Sue Richards pregnancy um, and Reed made it very clear that this was Sue's pregnancy <laughs> in um, a very 60s <laughs> style. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
uh, at the at the very end of the season, Franklin Richards is born. Um, he still doesn't have a name. I guess was that a thing in the '60s? Like you just didn't name your kid. You don't <laughs> like name you kids, and you don't name the ladies until uh, <laughs> yeah. until you yeah. have to. That, <laughs> right. That's what we have learned from reading Marvel comics. <laughs> Hey, is, was her pregnancy uh, like time? That was probably the first like, um, like real time. Uh, yeah. Real time situation. It was like, very close to real time. Yeah. Because it, it was in in annual number five. We found out she was pregnant. Annual number six. She gave birth. So oh, whoa, wow. Everything yeah. from 1961 to now has been uh, just about real time. People, mm. uh, Peter Parker's high school to college human, you know, everybody is aged in the time in the years that we've crossed like almost oh, wow. to the letter you know there's some little variancy but uh, except for aunt may who was born old and remains yeah old even that flashback man we we <laughs> just did a young peter parker when he first was with ben and aunt may there was a, a an annual and or it was in spectacular spider-man i can't remember which one but uh aunt may looked exactly the same age uh which is 400 I would say yep. <laughs> she's a lich. When she, so when she was 20 or 30, she looked 400. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, but we'll talk about Spidey in a second. Um, so w- what we had uh, what it, with the FF, what did they get up to uh, in the last season? So we got the first appearance of him, uh, a.k.a. Adam Warlock, the golden god, space Jesus. Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we had a, a storyline where Mad Thinker uh, turned Ben Grimm against the FF. Um, we saw the Silver Surfer throw a temper tantrum against humanity <laughs> for an issue, um, which kind of gets revisited. Uh, he's he's a little um, he's, he's trying to find his equilibrium. Yeah, he doesn't know how to exactly get people to behave. Um, right. So he tries the, the carrot and the stick. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> often the, the stick. Yep. <laughs> Uh, we saw the, the FF take on daredevil, um, who they thought was possessed by Dr. Doom. Uh, and he teamed up with Spider-Man and Thor. That was a fun little uh, issue. That was also like the closest we got to seeing doom and the FF, uh, in this season. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't think there was any, any doom. Um, we did see the return of Galactus. He came back for the silver surfer, um, cause he was hungry and he didn't know where to get right. food. It was almost a cameo. Yeah. But yep. he came back. Yeah. So is the, the surfer no longer, um, stuck on earth? No, he's nope, still, stuck. still stuck on earth. Uh, oh, Galactus okay. wanted to, <laughs> sil- surfer asked if he could get free and Galactus just said, no, I want to know where you are when I need you. So uh, you're going right. to stay here. Yeah. Yep. I got um, your number earth. Okay. Yeah. to keep your toys organized. Yep. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, we had, uh, another, uh, so we, we, uh, early in the season, we had, uh, Ben Grimm turning against the FF, uh, because mad thinker sabotage Reed's attempt to turn him back human. Um, so Reed, you know, not being a guy to learn from his mistakes, um, <laughs> turns the thing back human, um, it back into Ben Grimm. Um, and then the wizard attacks. So Ben has to sacrifice his humanity to, to save the FF again. Um, and then, uh, right toward the end of the season, uh, the fantastic four helped Wyatt Wingfoot's tribe fight (sighs) Tomazuma, (laughs) the totem who walks. Uh, yeah. Um, but then, uh, also the FF headed into the negative zone in, uh, annual number six where we met Annihilus for the first time. So that was pretty groovy. We spent a good 15 minutes trying to explain what Annihilus looked like. I think uh, in that episode. <laughs> yeah. It's harder than you think. Um, 
so yeah i don't know like uh i thought it was a pretty pretty decent season of, of ff stories um i also think like kind of talking a little bit about how the team has evolved um it, it's uh you know they they just started out the, the, there's been so much depth added to them and, and so much characterization. Like they really do feel very fleshed out as characters now. Like they feel very three dimensional, even if you don't like all their characteristics, like read terrible husband. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's like, you know how he's going to talk when he's talking to Ben. Um, and like, you know, that like Ben's character is just so dialed in. Um, yeah. It's and, uh, and Johnny is, um, Johnny's actually matured a bit. Like it's, it's interesting to see uh, even so much so that he in very recent uh, in our most recent uh, issues that we've read, he, he is scolding crystal about how you need to, you know, keep your head and do what huh. you're told as a member of the team, uh, <laughs> which is still hilarious. Cause he never really does that, but he at least has knows it enough to try to tell it to somebody else yeah good job johnny that's great. yeah and like <laughs> yeah. It, it's like they've matured matured's not even the right word they've evolved the character to the point where he acts kind of like a real person like mm-hmm. when he's with ben he's like a childlike goof always causing trouble and hijinks <laughs> and like when he's with a you know special someone he can like behave himself and act yeah uh, act better you know, he's like, like a 18 year old instead of the 15 or 16 year old we met who somehow went into space in the first place um you know when they they <laughs> got bombarded with cosmic rays yeah, yeah. And, and it's like i don't know how like getting back to the pregnancy and the timing and stuff like that like i don't know how intentional their the passage of time was at that point because like if if they are moving things forward a year at a time and like these characters are evolving accordingly like that's super cool I mean, it was probably an accident, but like, it's fun <laughs> to give them credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, at some point they have to kind of grind that to a halt because I don't even know why, but they sort of do. And so like people get kind of stuck in there. In their mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. To start dragging, dragging time out and stories yeah. out so that they become more like DC in a way where they right. just don't, there is no time. <laughs> it's just stories <laughs> that no all time. happen. In the eternal now. Yeah. <laughs> the overarching theme of the the coming season is it's it's the countdown to jack kirby leaving marvel he's about two years away from uh from skipping over to dc um and i think nothing feels more infused with kirby's dna at this point than fantastic four um it's it also it's pretty clear that he's doing um most of the plotting and storytelling uh i think uh i think you know stan comes in and does the dialogue at the end but um I think Kirby's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, I am reading this really great book right now uh, called Kirby and Lee Stuff Said. Um, and it's written by John Morrow. Um, and everyone's going to be sick of me referencing this book by the end of the season um, because it's just fantastic. He, What he did was he's the, uh, I think he's the publisher of the Jack Kirby Collector. And so he has arranged uh, like uh, quotes from Lee and Kirby and Ditko and other folks who were there at the time. Um, in chronological order, like whatever they're talking about, um, it, it, to give us like this glimpse into exactly how things were working at Marvel um, at the time by the people who were there. Uh, so it's it's like very it, it's as close to a primary source as you can get. Um, so like some of it's private conversations, some of it's you know public interviews, things like that. But um, like as as the the marvel method is evolving um 
I mean, Jack is basically doing Fantastic Four. Stan doesn't really get involved all that much until the end um, when it comes time to dialogue. Like they may talk about, you know, hey, for the next few issues, this stuff is going to happen. And they're on the same page about that. But it's not like Stan is coming up with story ideas independently of Jack and then kicking mm-hmm. him over to him. Like Kirby's <laughs> doing he's doing the writing. Basically. Yeah. And you can tell, uh, I mean, after you've read this many issues of Stan Lee writing as we have now, you can tell, and Stan will um, sort of admit to it often within pages where, uh, whether it's Jack or somebody else doing the art, but he's definitely trying to write his way around understanding what happened from page to page and panel to panel. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and that often results in a, a total tangent that the artist didn't intend, I'm sure, but uh, <laughs> it's a, uh, it, you can see it more clearly now than you could at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Even with Ditko uh, on Spider-Man, because, mm-hmm. you know, they at least discussed those things. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah that's, the Marvel method works is like totally miraculous to me. Like it doesn't <laughs> seem like the best way to do it. Yeah, it, I think it, it totally depends on who the artist is. So like, I mean, Kirby had basically been writing his own stuff for years before Marvel. Like, hmm. you know, he, he knew how to break down a story and, and divide it all up. And, you know, there's there's quotes from Don Heck in there where he had never worked in that style. He had never written his own comics. He was just an artist like he would work from a full script. And it, it took him a while. Like he was one of the last Marvel artists to really, you know, work in the Marvel method purely. Um, he was still working off of like some fairly significant script breakdowns from hmm. Stan or whoever the writer was for the first several years. Um, or even the artist, probably Ramita would break something down for heck to do too. Sure. You yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And and I, I think I would, I just watched a, um, uh, a six one six episode. If you see this hmm. on Disney plus, um, with Dan slot, uh, talking about the Marvel method. Um, and he's still, he's one of the, writers who still uses it almost mm-hmm. purely so but oh, cool. uh when you get that level this is like the early you know scripts you see for fantastic four if you get a level of description that maybe not is breaking down panel by panel page by page uh but it's so thoroughly um uh written so that you can draw it you just mm-hmm. have to break down the the action uh that's i think m- more close to the original Marvel method than, than the, uh, what became the shorthand of Stan saying like, and it comes out of a volcano or something, go do that. You know, uh, that's, and that's your answer to everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it, Kirby works really well in the style because he is a storyteller. Um, so, you know, it, and, and it just really complements his work too. Also, he's just, he's doing bigger panels and fewer panels on a page now too. So he gets to do all this crazy bombastic stuff. Um, and that was actually a knock against Marvel comics in the early days that it's like, Oh, it takes him forever to tell a story. It's like, mm. yeah. Cause Kirby's doing widescreen like years before widescreen was a thing. Yeah. So, and better episodic storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so like kind of thinking back to this era of FF, like, where do you put it like in your personal rankings for like, is this like the best that we've read so far, the worst that we read so far, somewhere in the middle? Like where, where do you, where would you say FF has been for you? For me, um, yeah. it's, it's the 
it's the best. Uh, basically, this is the run. Uh, also, I didn't know how much I cared about inking until we've done this project. Um, once you can understand the difference between Vince Coletta and Joe Sinnott inking over somebody, um, then you can start to really get why things vibe work or seem cooler or not, um, or seem more dashed off like that. That was, and I do a lot of art and I do a lot of, uh, I, I used to do a lot of brush ink work too. And I, um, now I have a computer, so I try not to do that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, this era is just, it's the, the art too, that mainly, um, I love, but I also love this, um, that it's, it's so well-formed, like the Fantastic Four that I knew that it, that wasn't even my favorite comic, you know, in the eighties and nineties. And it was like my dad's favorite comic, but I was way into other things, X-Men mainly, you know, um, because the X-Men weren't your daddy's comic. Yeah, there were some bad <laughs> boys and ladies. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, this is, to me, like quintessential early Marvel. What I always think of as classic comics is this. Is this run? Is this uh, artwork? Is this look? Is this craziness? Um, yeah. You know, from story to story, you're just like dealing with whatever, some guy shooting glue on people or you're in a... Uh, space or a negative zone or things that you just can't possibly even imagine. And, yeah. uh, and you're just bounced around to all these things. So it's, it is literally fantastic. Mm-hmm. Nice. Wow. Print that. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked the last season of fantastic four a lot. I think, um, like I, I think the, the season was it the previous season. Was that where we had Galactus, Galactus and the Inhumans debuting. It was yeah, it was like four or five, so somewhere in there. I, I'm yeah. sort of wrapping this like three seasons up into one in my yeah. mind. So I should totally. say, yeah. yeah. No, I I think like the last last season's Fantastic Four was you know just about as strong as you know anything that that Kirby and Lee had done prior to that. I I did notice and and maybe some of this is just from like reading biographies of Kirby but like you can see him kind of like pulling back the throttle a little bit like um as he started getting frustrated with the lack of credit he was getting Mm -hmm. um he wasn't creating silver surfers and inhumans and you know folks like that for for Marvel I mean we did get a nihilist last season who's a you know an a-lister in my opinion but Mm -hmm. um but you know you kind of look at like who they were dealing with this year. And it's like, Oh, it's, it's um, a robot set by the mad thinker. It's, mm. you know, the wizard, you know, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> oh, it's just sort of like, yeah. <laughs> and, and like doom doesn't show up at all. Um, you know, so there's like a little, you can see like Kirby's Kirby's holding a few things back. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, I want to read one, the book you have, cause I've got mm-hmm. a couple other Kirby bios I've been reading, but, uh, or re- reading and rereading the Evanier one specifically, but yeah, uh, you know, I think there there is some talent that's really talented now in the bullpen too. Uh, mm-hmm. Before, um, if you had Don Heck and Larry Lieber or somebody doing art, and you had Jack Kirby, and that was like yeah. a, a very vast gap between those skill sets and. Now you have Bushema and and Ramita and mm-hmm. you know so it's it's starting to like fill out where there are 
really great artists that can lay things out and can do, um, you know, beyond Ditko level close to Kirby in some cases, just as good, Mm. you know, and that's, uh, that's probably a little threatening to Kirby too, while he's Mm. getting his like his creations, like the silver surfer, number one, isn't drawn by Kirby. None of those are drawn by Kirby. That's just, well, well, now you've got a company where the whole, it's not, it's not, um, you don't need just those two people putting out a book and then everything else is like kind of lower tier. Mm-hmm. Hey, you've got this like more well-rounded experience where like, yeah, an issue could look like a clunker, but it can be enjoyable to read Yeah, mm-hmm. or, or it's like, what is this ridiculous story that doesn't make any sense and who cares? Uh, but it's gorgeous, you know, like yeah. there's like style and so intense. So as you're we, seeing these like, were you talking pairs, specifically about Jim Steranko? Or- <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to ingratiate myself. I'm the new host. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think you're totally right. Like they've been able to, well, they've been able to afford to hire, um, and they're they've got more books to work on, and yeah, um, the talent pool is is growing for sure. Um, uh, Rob, do you want to uh, talk about uh, Amazing Spider-Man a little bit and recap a little bit about what he's been up to in the last season? Yeah, so this is uh the sort of lee romita era of spider-man just keeps going uh it's rolling along and romita co-plots or plots a lot of these stories so he's the only other marvel artist besides kirby who gets the by lee and a person uh you know uh called out in at the start in the credits of every book with no distinction between who did the writing and the art so it's um obvious and he's been called by others in in bios and things the creative director of marvel at this point mm-hmm. so um uh stan's got him working on everything so he's definitely you know plot plotting um breaking down things he's spread very thin uh, which is why we have don heck doing finished pencils over ramita's layouts for a time and even that which when we first saw that pop up i was groaning but it don heck you know with ramita's guidance uh shows up so um mm-hmm. So the storylines are uh, that we've covered are Return of Doc Ock, Spidey's Amnesia, and the encounter with Kazar in Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> there's a, a lot of wackiness there. That was a, and that I think is a really good indication of this era where it's like storylines don't just all conclude. Like there's always kind of a thread that's left hanging out there, and that's what launches into the next one. So yeah. like they're always laying the groundwork for the next story. Um, it's really hard to cut them up discreetly. Um, it's, I mean, it's, and this is a, this is the only Marvel book that that's really happening in, which mm-hmm. makes me think this is Ramita's influence on this. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is that's true on the macro and also the micro. So like they're doing that in terms of arcs, but I, I think they're also doing that largely on pages. So you have a scene that like, you know, proceeds normally. And then like the last frame it belongs to the next scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, it's kind of pulling you along quicker in, into yeah. the story. Like you don't get that. Like this is done, and now this. Like you're immediately on to the next topic. Yeah, I yeah. think Ramita is is maybe even more than Kirby a master of that. You've got to turn the page to find out yeah. what happens. I don't. Right. I, that's definitely not Stan. You know, like Stan's Stan's definitely paying attention to Spider Man still though. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's also a given as to why the longer arcs and the overlap, um, 
Other things that happen to the season are Spencer Smythe's second Spider Slayer robot controlled by <laughs> JJJ. Uh, again, you have to wipe your screen down after that. That yeah. was a lot of <laughs> Spider Slayer. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just the so rehashed that, but it was still great. Like, it's it's, it's always weird when you see uh, an, a villain or a villainous concept return almost the same. Yes. <laughs> uh, it just, it's just almost the same story. Like we just couldn't think of anything this month or we need to dash something off, but this didn't, yeah. this seemed well thought out for what it yeah. was. Yeah. Or it's always fun to see Jameson's face on a killer robot. Yeah. <laughs> can't, <laughs> can't lose too. with that formula. He's such, it's like such a gleeful, it's like a gleeful iPad attached to a terrible robot. You know, uh, it's a, um, we also got the Kingpin's brainwashing scheme. So the, what was the go-go called? Uh, oh, the gloom room. Um, yeah. Gloom room, a go-go. <laughs> so yeah. they got a club named that and people went to it. Um, and he invited a bunch of, I mean, people like well-to-do, uh, people in, in Manhattan went there, uh, and all got brainwashed. So, yeah. um, and MJ got a job dancing there. Yep. And yep. didn't get paid because they closed down when the brainwashing scheme broke down. Um, so then uh, Medusa also came to New York and got drafted by some horrific ad people right away. Um, the Mad Men of Madison Avenue immediately got her involved in some hairspray commercials, uh, yep. which went bad and taught her that uh, humans suck. So uh, she went back to the Inhumans and <laughs> Spidey, <laughs> Spidey versus the Vulture versus the Vulture. That was pretty cool. Um, yep. And Spidey busts out of jail and rescues George Stacy from a prison riot. That one could be a great movie uh, yes. or like a television episode. It just feels so cool, like such a hmm. real um, it just the way that is timed out feels like maybe like the daredevil television show, you know, there's it's mm. just this like um, classic, you know, uh, side scrolling video game style. Like we've got to get through these hoops. Uh, right. Yeah. Breath- breathlessly paced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, I think that was one of my very favorite issues that we read uh, in all of last season. Yeah. I, jailbreak episode. something about how that, that goes. It's just a, it's, I don't know what it is. It felt like a little bit of Ditko touch, you know, you know, he's gone, but it just felt like this very cool bottle episode. Almost. I know yeah. there's like a lot of threads that overlapped other stories, but it, it was a, I, I would weirdly recommend that quite, uh, you know, over some of the uh, more sensational things that people might remember of the period. Yeah. Um, and then the cliffhanger of the season, Mysterio apparently makes Spidey very, very small. We're talking six inch action figure uh, and traps him at an amusement park because apparently Stan has extended his hatred of circuses to amusement parks as well. There's carnies everywhere. Um, Yep. Yeah. So, uh, Uh, yeah. Yeah. Someday we'll figure out what happened to Stan at the circus and get to the bottom of this mystery a dark tale yeah dark, i feel like a carney tale. just didn't let him off a ride and then he got a knife thrown at him or something like he was one of the volunteers <laughs> from an audience and, and yeah just scarred forever yep uh also marvel tried to launch a spider-man magazine and it folded after two issues but they were very great issues one is yeah. a just beautiful black and white ink wash 
that's Spectacular Spider-Man number one. And then the second, it covers some uh, awesome Return of the Goblin. So, yeah. uh, well, we're checking out. And and then how has Spidey evolved as a character in a series? You know, what do you what do you think? What do you feel, Brian? Like so far mm-hmm. or Jamie, jump in what you know, how is Spidey evolving over these last you know, seven years? Yeah. Well, I think I mean, I think we touched on it um, a little earlier, but like the whole aging in real time, I think you don't see that with any other character as much as you see it with Spidey. You know, like we've seen him go from being a high schooler to being an older high schooler to being a graduate to being a college student. Um, and, you know, just kind of seeing him and, and just seeing him like crushed more and more by the weight of responsibility. <laughs> I, I remember like when Dan McCoy was on uh, in our season finale um, uh, last season, he's like, I expected him to be more lighthearted and quippy. And hmm. he just seemed like really bummed out. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> where he's at these days. Like even a Spider-Man, I think that was it. He's his expectation with Spider-Man was going to be, you know, right. cracking wise and, and making a bunch of jokes. And, but even Spider-Man was just like, gotta get this done. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta get yeah, this done. I, Aunt May can't find out or she'll die. Yeah. My feeling is that like Spider-Man's job up until like they gave him a giant company a couple of years back. Um, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, <laughs> For 30 like, years of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, it's like a perpetual stasis, right? Like, I mean, in my, in my head, like at, after he's formed, it's his job to be like an awkward, uncomfortable, very poor, like kind of miserable, like teen ish character mm-hmm. or maybe college age. And like what happens with Spider-Man it, in my take is like it takes the book a little bit of time to get to that. And then they get there and then there's the sweet spot era. And I think that we are in that before mm-hmm. it starts getting a little bit like repetitive. Mm-hmm. Like it's still a joy to see old villains come back. You know, it's like a treat um, because you know that they're quality. Uh, But like eventually, you know, after the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth visit of the vulture or whatever, it's like not, it's not as compelling and his suffering isn't as grand if you've been following the story the whole time. Right. Yep. Um, But this is like, it's still fresh. Like it's still like plucked, plucked from the vine and, and like juicy. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. This I is, it's just hit that it's your, and this is what Mark Wade said too, was the, um, you know, the, the essential, I'm going to paraphrase poorly, but the essential character of Spider-Man is if Peter Parker's happy, Spider-Man is sad. If Spider-Man right. is happy, Peter Parker is sad, or, you know, I'm using sad and happy as wide blanket <laughs> terms, but, uh, that's, that's essentially the the root of the character. And I think they really found it at this time. And I think, yeah. That's and like, if you're a 13 year old boy, you know, that's or 13 year old child, I guess like that is very interesting. And then like, if you continue reading to your 18, like, okay, that's still relevant. And then like, you get to be 21. Like I, my friend and I've been watching a ton of movies lately. And I like, my new thing is to ask like, who do they make this for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been thinking about it in terms of comics lately. And it's like a really interesting question. Like, is this comic for a new reader? Is this for people who have been there the whole time? You know, like, how, and and how, as a writer or creator, do you walk that tightrope of like still doing the thing you want to do with the character, but not being repetitive? Yeah, and I I feel like Stan especially is trying to reach college kids with the comics that he's writing. Like, I think I I think he wants them to sell. You know, mm-hmm. 
I mean, Martin Goodman wants them to sell. I think Stan wants them to be respected. I think he wants, I think he wants to be taken seriously as a mm. writer, you know? Um, and I think Spider-Man is his primary vehicle for doing that. Um, that's why like what we're going to see upcoming in the next season is like Spidey getting involved with campus protests and things like that. Like there's a lot of, you know, I mean, right now Peter Parker's in college, but literally the only glimpse we've seen of it is basically like he'll be lost in thought about whatever he's worried about that month. <laughs> and you know, his professor would be like, Parker, pay attention. You know, like <laughs> you picture that of, scene. Yeah. You've yeah. seen that scene a hundred times. That's yeah. Funny. So, I mean, that's kind of like his college experience now, but, um, but we're definitely heading more into that direction. So, yeah. And I think, I mean, I think we've covered sort of how this ranks in the grand scheme of Spidey stories. This last season is, uh, you know, as we're, we're talking through it, this is where it's sort of hitting also Ramita, like this whole mm-hmm. time, yeah. um, you know, Ramita is not even Don Hex doing some penciling and it's great directed by Ramita and, mm-hmm. but Ramita's Spider-Man who, you know, this is the time where it's just hitting its full glory and we've watched it grow. So yeah. Um, right. Right. And, and both of Brian and I were super surprised to find out that we did not feel super bad that Ditko was gone from the series. Like we thought it was going to be a train wreck and a nightmare and it instantly, you could see they were rolling up their sleeves and making it stay great. And and with one character, I mean, like it's Mm -hmm. like writing a book with one lead character has to be so hard compared to like the fantastic four, because like you just, you throw those people in a room together and shake up the room a little bit and you have a story there, you know, like something emerges, but when you got one guy swinging around, like you can't go anywhere. He's like, not that New York isn't like huge, (laughs) tons of story potential, but like it just, it's a much smaller playground. It feels like for Spider-Man and the fact that they can make it so compelling and emotional and whatever is like, is so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, well, let's go ahead, uh, take a little break, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what the Avengers and X-Men were up to in our last season. So don't go away. We'll be right back here on Marvel by the Month. Hey, Rob and Brian. I just wanted to call in and say thank you so much for this incredible, so mighty, fantastic, uncanny podcast. I'm someone who didn't have a lot of experience with the Marvel Universe before about 2008, so just being able to go back and hear the history with two amazing hosts who are constantly thinking about equity, diversity, and inclusion has just been a joy. So I really appreciate the time, effort, and thoughtfulness you've put into this podcast. Uh, I've now just about finished up with season two, and I can't wait to catch up with where you are now and for the many more episodes to come. For 100, 200, 300, I'm excited to grow old with you all. So thank you very much. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Uh, so I want to talk about uh, Avengers and X-Men um, and what we saw from them in our previous season. Um, I still group these two books together because they launched in the same month. Um, but these are definitely two books that are heading in very different directions. <laughs> um so you've got like with Avengers, you've got, you know, John Busema has come on board as the artist, uh, and everything just immediately got better. Um 
Roy Thomas's scripts have become a lot tighter and more coherent. <laughs> uh, the storytelling. Um, he's not trying to do too much where he was, I feel like trying to do too much, uh, kind of early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, X-Men on the other hand has a like constantly shifting creative team. Um, it's really obvious. They are just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and trying to get something to stick. Uh, and they're not having a ton of success. Um, yeah, it's you feel just, like the, the ship is starting to write itself towards the end or like, with the x-men yeah no no (laughs) unfortunately no i i mean i wish it i wish it was you know but like they're you know they like midway through the the last our last season um they kill off professor x um in air quotes um (laughs) for the first and only time (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah and then like it for a few issues it's sort of like they're trying to frame it as like a solo book where like they'll talk about like on the cover, like the name of one character will be in larger type than the name of the book. Like mm. they're, they're just trying to do all these different things. They break up the team, they reform the team. It, um, I mean, and you know, a, a spoiler alert for season six, uh, X-Men is not being published at the end of <laughs> our next season. Like it, it we're, we, we are heading into the end of the first run of X-Men. Um, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, like Avengers last season, there was some really good stuff in there. It, it I don't think it started off super strong. Um, like, uh, if you remember, uh, the first thing we covered at the beginning of the season was the Avengers and Red Guardian, or, or Avengers versus Red Guardian, uh, to rescue Black Widow and Hawkeye. Um, which is where we found out that Black Widow uh, was married to the Red Guardian, which we didn't know. Yeah, and Hawkeye uh, didn't know until he was Hawkeye in a didn't tube know. trapped by the Red Guardian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, my girlfriend's got a husband. <laughs> um, and then uh, they get back, and the Super Adaptoid uh, attacks them in Central Park. Um, then there's a story where uh, <laughs> the Wasp and Goliath uh, have to fight Whirlwind um, in Hank's lab in avengers mansion i feel like uh Um, much much like the trapster i i'm only going to ever call whirlwind the human top and trapster (laughs) base pot pete because that's what they (laughs) they deserve those names those Mm -hmm. are the names they should have yeah yep exactly Uh, and i think they still don't know no one in the book except for whirlwind knows that he is janet van dyne's chauffeur (laughs) he's he's still a supervillain. he's still her chauffeur (laughs) he's (laughs) <laughs> which is probably which is, the smartest thing he's ever been able to do is to hide yeah. that. Um, that's, yep. a, yeah. Yeah. that's a great idea. <laughs> yep. Also he's a mutant. Everyone forgets whirlwinds a mutant. Oh yeah. Is that true? Yep. Yeah. He was born with the power to spin baby. <laughs> <laughs> Not run, just spin. Uh, just spin. <laughs> uh, let's see. Quicksilver and Scarlet, Witch left the team to rejoin Magneto. Um, Hercules eventually stops couch surfing at Avengers mansion. Um, he returns to Olympus. Um, and then things really start hitting their stride, um, with, uh, the story about black Panther's first day on the job. Um, which, uh, it was also the first appearance of the grim reaper. Um, I think this was the best single issue we read last season. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. He shows up at Avengers mansion because uh, Captain America has recommended him for for membership. None of the Avengers have met him. 
So he just flies to New York, shows up at the mansion. All the Avengers are dead. <laughs> so, and, <strong>. yeah, <laughs> That's a great yeah. cold open. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it just unfolds from there. It's brilliant. And, you know, Buscema's art is just top notch. And oh. yeah, it's really, really good. Um, you know, from that point, uh, there, there's a crossover with the X-Men. Um, we get the new lineup of the Masters of Evil, which also includes the introduction of Ultron. Um, so that's a huge character that debuts. Um, they wind up doing uh, like a time travel and alternate reality story um, with Crimson Cowl, who winds up being yet another Kang identity. Um <laughs> And uh, we also get the first appearance of the vision. Um, so like just a stacked six months of Avengers uh, stories there. Yeah. Was that, um, is that the first alternate? So is the alternate reality in the present? Like it's a real. Yeah. yeah. So they huh. go, they, they go back in time uh, because cap, is not convinced that Bucky really died and spoiler alert. He's right. <laughs> so they go, they go borrow, they find an old Dr. Doom at a time travel platform and go back to, so that they can witness those events uh, and find out for sure if Bucky really died. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're there with Zemo, um, but they're, they're basically ghosts. They can't, okay. They uh, except uh, something happens to make them <laughs> actually form and become, <laughs> whatever uh you know uh real and then uh they they come back to uh a different reality so they huh. come back to a present time where events had changed from that point on and, classic back to the future too yeah yeah except uh, the uh the avengers are basically fascists <laughs> who are oh. making sure all superpowered um any other superpowered being is uh either imprisoned or killed <laughs> and uh wow yeah. uh, and the world is sort of you know a dystopic utopia um mm. because of that and they just take orders from this weird other incarnation of whoa of that's ambitious game. for yeah. 1968 I, it is a that is a i i called him the crimson cow it's the scarlet centurion yeah Crimson Cowl was Ultron's secret yeah. identity. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you're off. You're done. You're, you're <laughs> oh, That's un- unacceptable. <laughs> so Scarlet Centurion is another version of Ramatut, is another version of Kang, is another possible version of Doctor Doom. Uh, <laughs> well, <yeah>. sure. <laughs> that, that definitely yeah. that note that all makes perfect sense. But yeah, I'm this, sure. this reality was so so bizarre. I just wanted to know more about it. So that that is cool. I do love it when they they do this, and this is one of the first times they do say there's this whole other parallel universe that has been created because of this. So the yeah. multiverse is sort of threading now. Wow. So, I wonder if yeah, that's first or like, I mean, I it think it is. Close to. I think it's the first alternate reality story we've read in a Marvel comic right now. So, wow. so that's where it all begins. That was the first non six one six story. Um, uh, so all this cool stuff is happening in Avengers. Now let's go ahead and contrast that to the X-Men stories that we read last season. Oh, this is going to hurt, isn't yeah. it? It is. Oh. I, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, let's see the, the X-Men fought uh, a guy named Meccano who was a spoiled rich kid. Um, so they could get airfare to Europe to rescue, rescue Xavier um, from factor three. Everybody remember factor three. Um <laughs> Well, they were led by the mutant master. Uh, if that helps. No. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Uh, they fought an alien robot Frankenstein. Well, sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, they, there was the two issue story where they fought grotesque of the subhuman um, at the end of which uh, Professor X seemed to have died. 
Um, then there was an X-Men versus Magneto story that was an Avengers crossover. And that was actually, I thought there was some solid stuff in there. Um, but then, uh, the, the juggernaut shows back up again, um, just wipes the floor with all of them and then is defeated through absolutely no action of theirs. Um, and they just decide to break up the team because <laughs> they're like, we're bad at this. Um, and so then uh, Beast and Iceman uh, fight the Maha Yogi uh, in Greenwich Village, um, who was the warlock. That sounds right. Not not like the techno organic you know, one. Yeah. Not yeah. Not <laughs> just, the techno organic just the hypnotist warlock. guy. Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, Cyclops and Marvel Girl fought some robots. Um, and then uh, we did get the debut of Mesmero. Um, c-list x-men villain yeah. oh that was a strong issue though <laughs> some things going for it no th- th- that one was all right like i i mean i think that's where and we are like on the cusp of neil adams coming on to the book um like in an issue that we're about to read uh i think next week um jim stranko does the art and then neil adams comes in so hmm. like they're trying man and arnold drake has taken over the scripting so like by the end like obviously roy thomas tried a bunch of stuff he's like i can't figure it out i'm done hmm. hands it off um and you know i'm not saying that drake figures it out either um but at least he takes it in new and weird directions so huh. yeah. it's funny I, as i was just saying yeah. before like the um like how having multiple characters makes it easier to write a book because more things intrinsically happen. Right. But this is like the flip side of that coin where having more characters, even ones that are kind of like ripe with possibility and potential, mm-hmm. it, it still doesn't necessarily equal success. Like you can't just have yeah. a bunch of stuff. It, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. also, as we've heard from um, artists, the, you know, the more characters you have, the more characters you have to draw accurately like those characters. And right, right. and you also have to try to get the groups in scenes all together at times and all kinds of other bizarre, tough, you know, problems that can hurt deadlines, which is why you get yeah. a giant hand in the panel over most of <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Strategic. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it, it, it's kind of fascinating to me because like Roy Thomas is writing both of these books for most of what we covered last season. And like Avengers, he really finds his stride and they're both team books. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he he figures out Avengers, but he just never quite figures out how to do X-Men. Um, and, you know, uh, it's not for lack of trying. You know, they added backup features to it. They changed the costumes. They, you know, they got rid of Professor X so that they could you know be their own team and not struggle you know, a little a bit of students yeah. yeah um but yeah just uh never quite clicked god and um, like with hindsight it seems like it's so easy right yeah <laughs> yeah like what do you mean you couldn't figure out the x-men they're right there here's the quarters of the way about them and yeah, they're yeah. born with powers the work's been done yeah um so like kind of you know putting the putting the two series in context with like what we have read so far like you know i i actually thought especially the second half of what we covered in last season with Avengers. I thought those are like probably the best Avengers stories that we have read so far. Um, I think they just, you know, it, it's really clicking now. This is like the beginning of the era of Avengers that I started caring about. Hmm. Um, and, but yeah, again, like, you know, X-Men, I'm not even going to say it's like the worst stuff that we read. Cause it's just like X-Men just hasn't 
really taken off. Like it, maybe the first dozen issues or so, they figured out a few things. The debut of the Sentinels is pretty good. The juggernaut, but, um, you know, a debut of Juggernaut. Yeah, um, but it's just like I don't think there have been three really great episode or three great issues of X Men in a row. Yeah. yet. Period. So, mm. you know, it's not. It's hard to say that this last season was any worse than anything else we had read. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. I think the most, the strongest thing they've created uh, in the whole run is just Magneto. Uh, yeah. And they've, yeah. and then they've even brought in other writers who just make Magneto an entirely different character. You know, just yeah. uh, his, his demeanor, how he talks, what he does is totally different every time somebody touches him. Well, after 30 or 40 years, that won't stand anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, Rob, talking of Avengers, would you like to uh, tell us a little about what um, three of the core Avengers were yeah. up to in their solo series? And uh, and it's also worth mentioning that there there were, you know, the core Avengers interacting with the new roster of Avengers within the Avengers book, too, which was which made it interesting to have the old guard yeah. and the new guard together. But uh, yeah. the old guard in their solo adventures, um, by the end of the last season, all three of the Avengers had their own series. So we have Tales of Suspense split into Captain America and Iron Man. Journey into Mystery had already become Thor by the time last season started. And Marvel isn't outselling DC by this point, but that's coming in the near future. So they're they're growing. And the sell through on their books is much better than DC's. So, uh, so even though DC, what, what sell through? What's that mean? So that means like uh, when comics used to be sold to newsstands, they were returnable. So, uh, you know, a, a distributor might sell ten thousand copies of a book, but eight thousand of them might be returned um, for a twenty percent sell through. Oh. Um, so a lot more DC books wound up getting returned than Marvel books. Basically. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. So, so mm-hmm. even though the DC owned the distributor that's distributing Marvel comics at this time, uh, <laughs> Marvel got permission to expand the line. And even though it means more competition on the newsstands for DC, but it's just, you know, they're going to make money on that end of things too. So they're willing to let their competition go a little bit, you know? Um, and after fantastic four, Thor is the book that Kirby clearly has the most influence on. So um, the Thor stories we've read this season are Thor, Baldur, Sif, and Odin versus the Enchanters, who looked cool but didn't really pay off. Um, (laughs) Odin depowers Thor. Thor gets tricked into the circus of crime. (laughs) Which there's never a bad circus of crime story. I'm just going to go out on that limb. That's the hill I will die Um, on. Loki comes to earth to defeat thor while he's depowered um the wrecker shows up and kills thor uh (laughs) that's pretty cool yeah like flat out kills him like he you see ghost thor floating above his body and hell shows up to collect his soul wow but (laughs) uh you know it's marvel thor gets better sif uh winds up inside the destroyer that's pretty cool and loki steals thor's hammer um also uh, worth mentioning, Mangog appears and rampages through the nine realms. Mangog. <laughs> and just trashes Asgardians <laughs> left and right. It's uh, pretty good. <laughs> um, and then Captain America is also very near and dear to Kirby. Uh, so he hangs on to the book throughout this whole season. Yeah, almost no one has drawn Cap except for Kirby at this point. Like he, he makes a few brief appearances in Avengers where Busema draws him 
I think there's one issue of Captain America that Kirby didn't draw up until this point, but pretty much like 95% of the time you've seen Captain America so far, Kirby has been drawing him. He's really, really possessive of the character. Yeah. Why did, they, yeah. did you know why they took out uh, these, the original Avengers and replaced them with other Avengers? Like, yeah, uh, it's oh, like I, behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what was going on there? <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's because uh, Stan wanted to simplify the continuity between the books. Like, because each of the, like, Cap and Thor and Iron Man had their own books. And so Stan didn't want to have to be constantly trying to figure out, it's like, okay, what are they doing in Avengers? And how do I make this work with what they're doing in Avengers? So it was... Oh, it was Wolf, just that. Wolverine syndrome. It was yeah. Wolverine syndrome. You yeah. Know, yep. Back when Marvel used to care about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so uh, that that's it. It's like solely and, and you know, also you can introduce more characters and sell more books, um, you know, <laughs> but it's but it's mostly just continuity. He didn't wow, want to have to figure that out. <laughs> the dude's plate was so full to begin with. He was not trying to make more work for himself. So, uh, that's funny. He yeah. was like, I think it would be easier to create whole new characters and make them interesting and popular than just have these people in two, and books. two books. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and overlapping books. Because hey, I, we've all got our strengths, right? <laughs> he was, there was already the thing like, well, we can't do this because Thor is in Asgard right now. So we need to mention that Thor's in Asgard and that's why we are having trouble fighting this super powered, you know, whatever strength villain or something. Oh. And it's and there were just enough of those in like season three that it wow. was too much. Oh, man. Season what a cool, uh, yeah. like a uh, beautiful mind pin board they must have had. Back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they still do. I could imagine Tom Brevoort's, uh I mean, now more than ever, because yeah. con- they allow all of these overlaps and somebody has to keep track of where in what dimension, in what time, in what realm uh, oh, any character is at any given time. I think that's all just in Tom's mind palace. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Watch his eyes slightly go up to the left and, you know, yeah. find where someone is. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah, so the Cap stories, uh, we saw the first appearance of MODOK. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the weird floating baby band. Um, Steve Rogers considers retiring as cap so it can be with Sharon Carter, uh, which is a, you know, it's a pretty big thread and part of that character that even makes it to the MCU, um, Mm -hmm. sort of, uh, cap meets black Panther for the first time and teams up versus a fake Zemo in Wakanda. Um, red skull awakens a fourth sleeper robot and kidnaps Sharon Carter, um, then we have Cap versus the Red Skull and his chiefs of staff, a bunch of communist goon uh, caricature stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. They, they're like a United Nations of evil. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and of course, Cap versus Batrock. Wee uh, oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> and Cap versus an LMD of himself. That was pretty cool. Which uh, and, was, was set up by some evil movie producers because in addition to circuses, uh, all movie studios are also evil in oh, yeah, the comics right. of the age. Yeah. Yep. And we they can guess that, that early on. Yeah. yeah. Stan had already ran into enough experiences there that he, he always put Hollywood as some kind of bad guy. Um, <laughs> and then it was the first appearance of Dr. Faustus. Um, and Archie Goodwin comes in to write Iron Man halfway through the season. Uh, so over an Iron Man with George Tuska and Johnny Craig adding a golden age flavor to the art. So 
uh, Iron Man stories. And, you know, they're they're always uh, sort of the, the lowest grade, but still all right. Iron Man versus Titanium Man. They usually just read like um, wrestling matches. Iron Man versus Grey Gargoyle. Uh, the debut of Whiplash and uh, Iron Man versus the Magia. Iron Man versus the Demolisher, uh, Drexel Cord. Who is yet another one of Tony Stark's business rivals who built a suit of armor and decided to take out Iron Man. <laughs> um, Happy, Hergen, Happy Hogan turns back into the freak uh, <laughs> briefly. Iron Man versus the unicorn and the unicorn somehow gets a little cooler. Yeah, he's still undefeated. <laughs> he's the <laughs> the one villain who has walked away every time. Um, well, he's really hard to find. So, <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man uh, also time traveled into the future to face C- Cerebrus. I think is the best way to pronounce that, so it's not <laughs> confused. Um, which was pretty cool. That was like a future dystopian AI story that spawned from Tony Stark creating an AI that ran a civilization. So that Mm -hmm. again is another, um, it's not a full alternate reality. I suppose it is, but it's a future alternate reality. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, I think my favorite of those stories. Yeah, me too. Um, then, uh, the crusher returns and (laughs) that's where we got to. Yeah. Uh, and like the, you're totally right. Like the, the Iron Man stuff is like, you know, it's, Iron Man versus this guy in just a, suit, a card, you yeah. know, yeah. But uh, I do think like Archie Goodwin added a little something to that where he he had some pretty decent subplots going on. Like um, you've got uh, Whitney Frost, who is not yet Madame Mask, uh, but she is the head of the Magia, and she's like basically seducing Jasper Sitwell so she can get information shield about info. shield yeah. and and access to tony stark's weapons but she feels bad about it because she's actually falling for him hmm. and like there's there's just a little bit more depth than we have seen and he kind of puts the kibosh on the whole like tony stark pepper Potts, happy hogan love triangle pretty quickly um which was never going anywhere um and was not that interesting so yeah, yeah we get a little agony about you know from tony about pepper every once in a while but not much he's just yep. um and so out of out of the three out of cap thor and iron man which one did you enjoy the most this season brian mm. i i'm gonna say it's 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 real close between thor and cap i'm gonna give it to cap just because i i like the character better um but also like Modok is one of my very favorite character designs of all time. <laughs> I knew uh, Modok was going <laughs> to skew you that way. I yeah. Predicted also, that easy. <laughs> yeah. I, I also thought the, um, the, the cap and, and Panther team up was really well done. Um, uh, I just sort of like, you know, again, like the recurring motif of, of cap just trying to work through this PTSD. Um, like I, I think, I think it, it Kirby's drawing from his own experience and I think it comes across really authentically. Like, I, I mean, I think Kirby puts a ton of himself into Thor also, but I feel like there's just something about, you know, a Jack Kirby, Captain America story where he, you know, he knows exactly who this guy is and where he's coming from. Yeah, um, he knows the shit he's seen. I, yeah. Just exactly. gonna throw right, a right. swear word in this, uh, <laughs> but that seemed like the right one for this. Um, <laughs> he's, he's been through it. 
you know, he he's like, this guy has the entirety of World War Two in both theaters, probably in his head and right. and experiences that no human should have, mm. you know, even a couple of he's got hundreds. And so yep. I think that's part of how Kirby thinks about Cap. I, I agree for me. Um, uh, it mostly it's the Panther like mm-hmm. Cap making sure. It's like taking the symbol of Captain America and having him say, this guy is great. This guy mm. is good as me. This guy mm-hmm. can, um, in every way, is worthy and righteous and a hero. And so it's a it's taking that, you know, it's taking the symbol of America and, and pushing for something more about, uh, you know, racial equality and civil mm-hmm. rights. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, like we we give the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies so much credit for doing like different genres, like like oh, it's not exactly a superhero movie, like it's actually like oh, like a spy thriller or a, a buddy, a buddy cop yeah. movie, yeah. <laughs> and like that seemed like such a huge innovation to the space of superhero movies. And like looking back at this stuff, they were kind of doing the same thing. Like these aren't. Like, yeah, you can you can throw them all into the superhero comic bucket. But like, if you think of them as each serving, like, again, what I was saying before, like, who is this comic for? Mm-hmm. Like, Iron Man has a place in that. Like, it's not my place. Like, like <laughs> I wouldn't go there, you know, for, for like 18 pages of a fighting scene. Like, doesn't do it for me. But like, there's an audience for that. And they were tapping into it and they were giving it a book and say mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're into that, you will buy that book every month. And like, yep. Captain America is like maybe speaking to some more mature and interesting and like relevant themes. I, I like obviously didn't read all of them, but that like that's what yeah. it sounds like. And your Thors are like these crazy mythical sci-fi mashups, which sci-fi like, fantasy opera. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's swords. There's sorcery. There's you know t- travel. You know through dimensions. There's beasts and creatures uh, unimaginable and then there's mythology like yeah i like i didn't know that was there like i kind of got uh uh, jay and miles miles had a little sub podcast for a while yeah yeah that was my the simonson thor right yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um and that was my first real introduction to thor outside of the movies like basically oh Um, yeah yeah and i had no idea it was so rich with like the sci-fi element Mm -hmm. um and it was in there in 1968 like that's yeah that's crazy like yeah. all of the the dna for everything you see in the mcu a lot of it comes from this all of this you know what we've covered so far the early mm. silver age and yeah um, i mean up to right in the 70s where it does you know it goes out of the silver age and to the bronze age but it's yeah. uh um yeah, you can see all of these tiny elements just pulled through, and of course, taking a lot of the work that people have done to to write a better characters and more rich stories. But it's there, like the yeah, the yeah. basics are there. Yeah, the basics are there, even in its most like primitive primitive form. Yeah, and yeah. like already they're standing on the the shoulders of giants, kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's just constantly being refined and smooth, and it's beautiful. Yeah, I, that is something like to the. Uh, you know, something you can say about Marvel being, you know, one story, one world, one continuity, you know, from the beginning, like everything that happened in the 1961 comics is still part of the story that's being told in 2021. Um, 
it's like even if the movies are pulling from much more recent source material like Ed Brubaker's, you know, Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. um, that is still rooted in the Jack Kirby Captain America from 1968, you know. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all one long thread and it all has to agree like each right. Each part has to there's there's no starting over <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> right yeah you you can you can introduce something that says actually bucky didn't die but it still all has to agree with everything that has come before yeah or yeah. at least it, it can't overtly contradict it um yeah it, it's fine to have a what you didn't know you know right. like, that, yeah. like that's allowed but you can't disregard whole swaths of, of, yeah. of history and i think yeah. this this talks to the pedantic sort of uh <laughs> yeah i walked of, into it didn't I? reader <laughs> she got, we were talking about like this this is it i mean that's also the the difference it, it it's so hard to stress because people who don't read comics or uh, casually read comics when you know dc i've read i've read and read dc comics as well and uh but reading the superhero stories just burned out pretty fast in, unless they were doing some grand Batman story or Superman story or justice league, I guess, but the, it just didn't matter. Like the stakes mm. didn't matter. Right. And it was sort of rehashing something and it just, or they were resetting completely. And then everything you cared about didn't matter. And so Marvel has done this, you know, tightrope walk of keeping all of that threaded all the way back to this Genesis in 61 with fantastic four. It's a, like, there's always a thread and they might spin off, you know, ultimates versions or something, a a universe that even when they've spun off universes, they've found ways to fold them in that make sense in continuity. Like, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) It really is. It's like truly remarkable. It is a feat of magic. (laughs) <laughs> hey rob rob what what What's I, up? hey uh look i know you're on vacation right now uh i'm really sorry to bug you um but we got uh, a few really awesome letters that just showed up for the 100th episode that i wanted to share with you okay well that that is actually worth interrupting a vacation Okay. Accolades, compliments, possibly criticisms. Let's hear it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, here we go. Uh, this first one uh, is from a listener named David. Um, and I, I thought this was just a fantastic letter. Uh, Dear Brian and Rob, congratulations on your 100th episode. Just wanted to add my appreciation to the virtual tower of e-greetings you're bound to have. <laughs> Last year was pretty tough for me and my family, as it was for far too many, particularly as we lost my father. Not to COVID, thankfully, but the lockdown didn't help. Dad loved illustration and comic strips and encouraged my interest in comic art, even warily escorting kid me to my first proper comic shop in what was then London's center of adult entertainment, Soho. (laughs) As a backroom key worker i have had to commute into town during lockdown which can be very stressful but last november a friend from the comics community recommended the mighty mbtm to me i've listened to at least one episode most days since your good humor humanity and historically contextual discussions on one of my favorite subjects have lightened some pretty dark days for which i'm very grateful i recommend you to friends whenever i get the chance 
Hopefully someday I'll get to shake you by the hand at a con somewhere. Until then, many thanks. More power to your elbow. And may the eternal Vishanti keep you safe from the dreaded deadline doom. Cheers, stay safe, and well. Oh my goodness. That is that is a even that is an even better reason for us to keep doing this. Seriously. I, I really appreciate that. I um that that brought you know, I would say water near my eyes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to say I'm tough because I'm not on, you know, it's audio. I can say how tough I am. No, yeah. that, that's wonderful. Like just to have it be, it, you know, like we've said before during the apocalypse, during COVID, that uh, if we can just lighten somebody's day, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, we'll count it as a win. Um, so it's Absolutely. very good to hear. Yeah, I, I actually already wrote back to David and I let him know that, you know, I'm I'm happy that we were able to, you know, make life ever so slightly easier in whatever way. Uh, but really, us having this show to do um, during all this nonsense uh, was one of the things that you know, really helped keep me sane. Um, I know it has been very helpful for you as well. So, oh, yeah, um, so, I mean, it's, it's a it's a it's a different kind of insanity, you know, having to read Larry Lieber stories. Um, but, um, it's a, it's a more manageable one as it turns out. <laughs> it's a, it's more manageable than being stuck in a, the Overlook hotel, trying to write your novel. Um, yes, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, thanks David, man. That's I, yes, by all means, I hope we meet at a comic con. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, Brian and I are going to be on the West coast. That's our nearest uh, <laughs> goals. Um, but maybe sometime, please look us up. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, we got another letter here. Um, uh, I'm not going to tell you who it's from. I'm just going to start reading it. <laughs> Hi, Brian and Rob. Congratulations on the 100th episode of MBTM. I'm not sure if you remember who I am now that you are big podcast stars and all, so I will refresh your memory. In July of 2019, I was the dude that lived at Brian's house for a week and drank all of his beer. I was also a guest on your podcast in the first season for the March 1963 episode featuring the first appearance of Iron Man and the first time the Thing and the Hulk had a fist fight. I thought we had a connection, and yet it seems like I'm the only guest that you haven't asked to return. <laughs> Why? Did I do or say something wrong? This kind of rejection is how supervillains are born. Uh, and that part is in all caps with a lot of exclamation points. Oh, no. Uh, P.S. I'm sorry that I missed the message deadline. Been busy plotting my revenge. Intensely <laughs> yours, Dark James, a.k.a. Jamie, last name withheld. P.P.S. Uh, I'm still working on my villain name. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, uh, the only reason why I think that the only bad thing about that episode was that we were all hungover from singing karaoke and drinking <laughs> the night before. Yes. That was the most hungover episode I think I've done of this show. And that's saying something. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I was. I was laughing at something that just came through. Uh, we ju we just got another letter that just came through, uh, which I'm just going to read to you right now. Uh, this is from uh, Noah Campbell. Yo, dogs! I kept forgetting to respond to this. It would pop into my head at odd times, like right now. Could I still send you something? <laughs> no, Noah, no, you Noah. can't. Yeah. God, Noah. <laughs> just the worst. <laughs> I love that. That's his full message. Uh, <laughs> He just wants to, this message is just asking if he can send the message. Yep. Noah, classic Noah. Classic, classic Noah. Uh, and we've got uh, one one more to read uh, to you. Um, uh, and again, I will just go ahead and, and read it as is. 
Um, hi, fellas. Happy anniversary. 100 episodes. Hey, if you guys ever get feeling a little burned out or tired or just plain can't get one done on time, you should pop a new icon for the show on an old one or maybe bundle <laughs> three old episodes together. These are wholly original ideas I'm having and sharing with you, and I absolutely did not get it from old Marvel publishing practices. How dare you? Just imagine, if you did DC by the month, you'd only be up to like 1947 right now, and the racism would still be positively incandescent. <laughs> and you'd still be like 300 episodes away from the generation of middle-aged narcs bathed in weird chemicals we think of as the Silver Age. <laughs> Shit, you guys should do DC by the day, which is a month of DC comics every day, but start it so that DC versus Marvel happens the same week on both shows. Also, <laughs> also this is my idea, too. I expect to be compensated, and I look forward to listening. Signed, Matt Fraction's lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> that, the overall tone sounds just a little bit more like Matt Fraction himself, but I, yeah. you know, maybe he's just tight with his lawyer. You know, like, Hunter S. Thompson and Raul, like, uh, you mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm not, I missed, I misnamed his, his lawyer. Uh, I was just oh, thinking yeah. of Raul Julia from the <laughs> movie. Uh, Ra anyway. Yeah. Ra yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's also possible that, that. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's possible that Matt just represents himself in court. That is um, true. He's, it sounds, um, he might be a bird lawyer like Charlie Day on. <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, well, there you go. Uh, sorry for interrupting your vacation, but I thought you would want to hear all those. Uh, uh, worth it. Yeah. Also, uh, you're going to have to insert this into the episode, which also <laughs> you're going to have to edit and produce uh, while you're on vacation. Bye. <laughs> Love you. Let's talk about uh, one other former Avenger and, uh, you know, a future Avenger, um, Hulk and Submariner, Marvel's two anti-heroes. So both got their own series by the end of our last season. Uh, Tales to Astonish split into Incredible Hulk and kept the numbering and Submariner. There's a, there's some shifting of the creative teams on each book, uh, but by the end of the season, we've got Herb Trimpey as the Hulk artist and John Buscema on Submariner, and they're both great fits for the book. So at first I was resistant to to Herb Trimpey because it's like a it feels like Robert Crumb kind of it almost feels too cartoony. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh but it works. It, yeah, it works. It, totally it, does. it feels like the best of Severin's, you know, stuff. Um just I don't know. It's hard to explain, but uh, yeah. And but, I think I think Severin inks him on a few of those stories too, which which helps a lot. And um, and just like as a tease for the first issue that we read for the next season, it, it is like the first. This is the Hulk story. Like I mean, it took them forever to find the Hulk. Uh, it took seven years to finally get there, but this one is like it has um. Hulk not knowing that he's also Banner, Hulk hating Banner. Oh. Um, it, it just like it hits all these marks like boom, 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 one after another. I'm like, oh, they found the Hulk. Congratulations. Mm. Yeah. Nice Interesting. It just yeah. took, <laughs> took several years. Yeah. Um, so uh, the Hulk stories this season were um, a lot of Hulk versus army. <laughs> so uh, that's it's kind of the default Hulk story. Hulk has an outer space adventure with the high evolutionary. It's another one of those things where Hulk sees an opportunity to leave earth where everybody hates him and he's mad at earth. So he just, anytime <laughs> something's leaving earth, he's trying to get on that. Um, and which is cool. I, I didn't think that was part of the DNA of Hulk uh, 
you know, from all the stories we've seen of Hulk, but it totally is from the beginning. He's just yeah. like, I'm done with Earth. I'm over yeah. it. Uh, yeah. He tries yeah. to leave Earth like three times this season. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he jumps on lot, like yeah. a Chinese rocket to uh, <laughs> and knocks it off course and it wrecks somewhere and causes a bunch of tr- trouble. Like at but... least he's trying to solve problems. <laughs> yeah. <right? Like> he's <laughs> like, <laughs> he doesn't quite understand trajectories and things when he's the Hulk. But uh, yeah. at any he can certainly aim and hit a rocket. But uh, <laughs> so he also joins the Legion of the Living Lightning to take on the army. <laughs> and in issue number 100 of Tales to Astonish, the Hulk and Submariner duke it out, which was pretty cool. Again, mm-hmm. you know, um, they Hulk came t- up with a They came up with a non-finish. So neither one of them lost any other heat. Yeah. Mm. Yep. But which also gives Namor more. I mean, because they've most of Marveldom is putting the Hulk over as the strongest, you know, when he oh, comes yeah. up against people. And he, of course, is his own hype man. <laughs> uh, so uh, Hulk takes a trip to Asgard. Um, Hulk fights the space parasite and wrecks Yankee Stadium, which makes My Brian happy. favorite story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rhino reappears and dies fighting the Hulk. No Ooh. more rhino. What's yep. the tone of that? Is that like tragic? It's pretty uh, rough. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, I mean, it is, it's, it's rough, but it's also kind of funny. Like the rhino just comes, he, he's an idiot, you know, like <laughs> and uh, he will not give up. That's it's kind of, uh, he's it's clear, kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. He's clearly just getting his ass kicked. Uh, and he just keeps, and the Hulk is like, I'm just going to walk away now because this is not going to end well for you if I don't. And then the rhino's like, what are you, chicken? Yeah, he's, like, uh, he's like laying on the ground, <laughs> crawling, you know, barely able to move. It just yeah. keeps and he does it several times. And they're like trashing this whole airport at the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, and then he just kills over. Yeah. And that's, oh, that's yeah. the last we hear of him oh. so far. Um, so Hulk's not guilt ridden and. Oh. No, no, no. Right. Hulk's also like he, he asked for it man he just kept asking um, uh, Hulk oh. fought the uh, the missing link um, the irradiated missing link I think and uh, Hulk uh, versus Mandarin the Mandarin tried to uh, use the Hulk uh, for his own means and found out that Hulk is hard to manage mm. um, and that has a guest appearance by S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and then the Hulk winds up in the Savage Land on another <laughs> rocket flight gone awry. Yep. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, we also got uh, the first Hulk annual, which might be the the worst book we read last season. It it was bad. The cover uh, was amazing. The it's, cover is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, J- Jamie. I'm sure. Like, if you, you if I describe it, you will see it in your head. But like, the Hulk is kind of like bent over, and on his back, he's supporting like a giant mountain that is like the letters that say you know hulk oh yeah but it's like he, he's just like kind of back pressing it up um like the the secret wars cover only with the the words yeah very much yeah, so. yeah. yeah. integrated yep. the title into the scene so it's like this big rock you know yes like, phenomenal cover and then the story is just like gary friedrich just kind of ran out of story like 12 pages in <laughs> and he had 40 pages to fill and so he just kept writing and oh, yeah wow. it just didn't didn't turn out great they're like this just we just gotta hit the date and there's Pages to be printed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hulk smash something, something, something. It writes itself. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Yep. Um, yeah. And that, that's it. Like uh, there, there were some good moments of the Hulk in this, which, you know, is saying a lot because there, there've been some many bad moments of the Hulk uh, as far as a series. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a tough character. It is a very yeah. tough character yeah. to make interesting. 
Yeah. And they really did not have it figured out. And and it began with Stan just throwing something new every other issue, um, especially in that first six-issue run of the Hulk before they canceled yeah. it. Um, new powers, new color, new <laughs> transformation scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Now minty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steve Ditko gets his hands in the book. It's like, now it's the Hulk, but he's got Banner's head. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then over in uh, the Submariner stories, we get Namor versus the Plunderer, uh, Kazar's brother. Um, Namor winds up exiled from Atlantis after the Plunderer attacks it. The Man of Destiny. Man, they really put Paul Destine over in all of these, and he just looks <laughs> like a goof. Um, yep. He's a thorn in Namor's side for several months, lots of issues. Uh, Submariner fights and then teams up with Triton against Plant Man, who got some kind of cool underwater base that he stole. Um, <laughs> Submariner retakes Atlantis from Atuma. And then we see get the first appearance of Tiger Shark, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah, with some beautiful John Buscema artwork. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, the, you know, how do you how do you rank this? The Hulk stories for the last season and the character? Yeah, I mean, it, it was never the book I was most looking forward to reading. Um, I do think they are. They're dialing in on what the Hulk, what stories work for the Hulk and what don't. Um, and like I said, we're about to get to it's like, oh, everything has finally fallen into place with the characters. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, it was all right. all right that's a big yeah (laughs) sideways um (laughs) yeah yeah. uh uh, how about submariner i think i think that he there's there's some good submariner stories Mm -hmm. in here um and just some character development more so than anything else which is namor such a he's been this character since you know the whatever the 40s the 30s i don't remember when he started but um he's you know there's there's a few notes you need to hit and if you hit them right and you talk about honor and his you know royalty and his pride and his um uh you know quick to anger over (laughs) over a big anger over Mm -hmm. little things or big things that's you you can get him but uh and i feel like there were a few that worked of course the Triton team up was cool. It just against plant man was not. It was very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I I did find like, as soon as Busama started doing the artwork, I liked the book a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that, and it, which is funny because I've never thought of myself as someone who like the artist made that much of a difference, but, um, it really does. And I think especially when in these early Marvel books, as Marvel style is evolving, like you are just, you're leaning on the artist to do so much of the storytelling and Busema just does a really good job with it. Um, he also seems to really enjoy drawing Namor and drawing undersea scenes and things like that. So um, yeah, it's great. And and the tiger shark story was way better than I thought it oh, would be. Yeah. That was my favorite by far. Yeah. Um, that sort of two part um, introduction of the tiger, And also just because of the weird, when you, the very beginning there was, I can't remember Dr. Dorcas. Dr. Dorcas was talking to his henchman and was like, Todd, oh, man. go get this thing. And I'm like, Dr. Dorcas just calls his henchman Todd. Like, uh, and then it, you know, it developed into a story where we understood Todd was a person that was about to become Tiger Shark. But uh, at first it just was the weirdest 
interaction yep. between a, a villain who had a stupid name and and his henchman who he called <laughs> Todd. Uh, so it was just everything was funny about it to it's me. Bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, well, uh, jumping over to Daredevil real quick. Um, this is it, it, I, I thought Daredevil just, you know, in our last season, it continued to be just a solid title uh, with a very stable creative team like Lee and, and Gene Colan had been on this for months and months and months now, like uh, years. So at least there's some um, there's some stability um, and there's the creative partnership, I think, is evolving. Um, I did notice that my appreciation of Gene Colan's art really varies wildly depending on who's inking him. Um, I think when like George Tuska or Dan Adkins are inking him, I really enjoy uh, his art. Um, and it's, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like Vince Coletta, like there's something about the line that he uses that it works really well with Colan's pencils, which tend to be kind of sketchy and wispy. Um, it's a, I think when you have like, I've even seen like Joe Sinnott ink Colan and it just doesn't work because he tries to really Bring it in. define yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it, it's not, you know, it, and then you get some, some inkers who like try to make him Kirby and he's not Kirby. So, you know, you got to kind of approach it on its own terms. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, there's some really good Gene Colan art this season. Um, and you know, he, he continued to fight, uh, <laughs> some of the, like, I, I would say mostly B list, uh, Marvel villains with one notable exception, but it started out with him fighting, uh, Mr. Hyde and Cobra. Um, uh, then he took on the beetle in Montreal at the 67 expo. <laughs> yep. Timely. Uh, sure. yeah, we got uh daredevil versus paste pot Pete, uh, yeah, that guy like, gets around, huh? They really he, thought they had something with him. They yeah, really, really did. This, this is magic. <laughs> uh, it, that led into an FF guest appearance and uh, just some really unsettling uh, panels. That is my most memorable parts of that season. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then Daredevil, like immediately after that story was over, uh, Daredevil fights Dr. Doom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just like, we'll level up your game, kid. <laughs> yeah. That's the body swap. I think I might've been. Yeah. Yeah. I read that. Yep. It's, he, he like, uh, you know, while fighting Trapster, Pace Pop Pete, he tries not to kill him as they fall down some, a subway staircase. Uh, and in, in so doing pretty much knocks himself nearly out. And then he just comes to at the feet of Dr. Doom and then <laughs> commences to try to fight Dr. Doom, which is just not good. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. go right. well. Yeah. Um, and this this leads into a crossover uh, with the FF um, that Doom is not a part of. I think this is the only time Dr. Doom shows up in our last season. Yeah. He's been, I think, just on a beach or in Monaco or something doing some yeah. casino stuff. Good for him. Yeah. Do you think they were like intentionally saving him for something like bigger or I think maybe Jack wasn't drawing him into stuff is what was happening. Mm. Like Jack wasn't saying let's do it uh, because he's another, he's another character that is just so Kirby, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. especially even Mm. his name, like Mm. seems like a Kirby name. It's just too on the nose, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think also there was, I think there was a danger that doom could have been overexposed. Um, because they were using him a lot, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and I think they, I think they, it was a conscious decision. It's like let's let's not use him for yeah, a while. Yeah, save the big guns a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, 
And then uh, the Unholy Three, which sound <laughs> a lot cooler big guns. than they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They sound cool. They yeah. sound really cool. They're not. They showed up again with a new <laughs> villain named the Exterminator. Um, we also got the death of Mike Murdoch, who is the fake persona of Matt Murdoch. Uh, and that's who M- Matt said was actually Daredevil's secret identity. Um, yeah. Oh, so, man. Just about as annoying as Dr. Lame Dr. Blake, you know, yes. um, yep. just an extra secret identity um, is just worthless. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like you're already having secret identity problems. So your solution is to create a second secret identity. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the season, we were introduced to the jester uh, who stuck around for several issues um, and became like a pretty substantial villain. Uh, he wound up framing Daredevil for his own murder. Uh, which is a pretty good trick if you could pull it off. Um, yeah, that, that was a fine run, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think generally this ranks like among the better Daredevil stuff. Daredevil was another one of those characters for me who got off to a very slow start. Like I liked the first couple, three, four issues. Um, but like as soon as Bill Everett and Wally Wood were no longer involved. Um, well, they just, also just started doing dumb things like having him land a rocket blind, <laughs> you know. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it was like a problem differentiating him from Spider-Man, right? They're both very like much. street level, yeah. like similar power. And they didn't really dive into the Matt Murdock part of it too much either yeah. at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, uh, that's a good point. Like um, by the end of this last season that we did, Daredevil's adventures were happening a lot more at night. So it's starting to be like, you know, the, the nighttime urban adventure um, mm. that we wind up associating with the character. So yeah. And like eventually landing in the like Gothic churchy. Yeah. The Frank tortured. Miller, the yeah, Frank exactly. Run, yeah. Basically. Like, Oh, there's the character. He was under there all along. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just add a gallon and a half of Catholicism and you're all set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is up there. Yeah. Uh, Rob, do you want to, you want to take us home and we can touch on the last few stragglers? Oh yeah. Here? The, the soon to be departed. Um, Mm -hmm. So, spoiler alert, five of the series that Marvel was publishing in our fifth season will not survive our sixth season. It's not our fault. Yeah. And actually, (laughs) uh, that's a typo on my part because X-Men is the sixth series that won't. So, yeah, they're going to lose half a dozen series. Um, And I can tell you some of these hurt and some of these don't. Um, so, uh, you're going to, you're going to know which one, if you've listened to any of our shows. Uh, so as we mentioned, X-Men, uh, will be canceled. Dr. Strange, Nick Fury, agent of shield, Captain Marvel, silver surfer, all of these characters that you've never heard from again. Mm-hmm. Um, and not brand Eck. Adios <laughs> friend. Yeah. <laughs> Friendo. Okay. So, uh, Let's spend just a couple minutes talking about what we thought about each of them so far and reasons why we think they don't ultimately wind up making it as ongoing series. So Dr. Strange, uh, man, Baron Mordo or over and over again. Yeah. Um, That's the thing is like, it it doesn't have much of a supporting cast. Um, It does feel like the same story over and over again. And everything sort of takes place in this like timeless, placeless void um it feels like so it's like he's hanging out in his spooky house in greenwich village or he's like in the astral plane somewhere or he's in someone else's you know candle lit lair um yeah i think until recently 
very recently they they got into some Dormammu stuff that seemed kind of interesting, but it's mm-hmm. Dormammu again, right, and right, uh, right. and they show a little bit more of him just like in the world, yeah, you know, uh, in street clothes or something, you know, yeah. uh, but you're right, it's just this, it's always the same thing, it's always the same abstraction, um, yeah, you would think, I mean, twenty twenty hindsight, of course, but like you would think that they would have seen that he, it lends itself to horror a little bit more back mm-hmm. then, especially given the way they're drawing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they don't have anything else in their uh, sort of pantheon that, that is doing that. I don't think. Um, yeah. So it like, seems like it would have been a great space to get into like demons and whatever mysticism and like mm-hmm. cults or like, it just seems ripe for story and they just didn't seem to do it. Yeah, I think yeah. they touched on it at first when, I mean, before it was even apparent that he was going to cross over into the actual superhero genre when he was doing one-off stories, they were very much like uh, House of Mysteries, Tales Tales of the, mm. from the Crypt kind of like one-offs that felt like a, a horror Twilight Zone episode, you know, uh, that he was investigating. So that, that could have been its own huh. thing altogether, but... That was short lived too, and then yeah, then I wonder if that was like a pops up. Thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no. It's just it was. I think that yeah, once they crossed him, once they decided he was going to show up and meet Spider Man or whatever, he was going to be part of the rest of this universe, and then they couldn't work it out. They just yeah, yeah. I think they they probably also had to be careful with the comics code, just because yeah, the horror comics were what got the attention of the censors 10 years earlier. So I think there was still some reluctance to lean too hard into that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, the, it's the story lends itself to that. And the fact that they didn't go in that direction probably means they were like specifically resisting it. Yeah. 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 And then in Nick Fury, agent of shield, uh, <laughs> you know, there's some, the pop art innovation in what was happening with Steranko um, and that is the selling point of the book. And Steranko, obviously, from you know whatever six issues in, can't hit a deadline. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. without him, there's apparently no one was interested in the book. You know, which is kind of too bad because I think Frank Springer does do some pretty cool stuff with the art. But yeah, um, yeah, it's like unless unless you're getting the Steranko experience, that it was just not a a comic that people wanted to read apparently because yeah. the sales plummeted once he was off the book, which is why think, um, it's hard to find even on Marvel unlimited any non Steranko. <laughs> yeah. Huh, go yeah. ahead, Jamie. Do you think um, like the wind went out of the sales of that post? Uh, what was the, that crossover thing we read? Um, Secret oh, Empire. S- Secret Empire. I think, I, I think the, so that's a, that's actually a really interesting point. I think the spy stuff may have been kind of on the wane. I think it was really hot. Um, right around when the Secret Empire stuff was happening and when Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. launched as a story in Strange Tales. Um, so but then I think like as it started moving on from the popular culture and, and getting less, you know, less of the moment, mm-hmm. um, then I think they were really leaning hard on just Stranko's crazy visuals to sell it. And once you didn't have those, it's like, OK, well, this like this feels like a fad that's two years past its prime. Plus it just looks like every other comic book now. So that's mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and then, uh, Captain Marvel, um, 
which is so weird to say these names knowing how popular they are now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it was just uninspired. Uh, it was clearly just their ploy to keep the copyright, uh, to secure the copyright of the name Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, and we, I mean, we know that's why they dashed it off in the first place and then trying to keep it running, throwing different writers on it. Um, and a story, I mean, there is some story there. There's something, um, the, the whole idea of a hero that's sent here to scout to possibly destroy the earth mm-hmm. or enslave it. Um, and he, if, you know, is trying to save it without losing his job. So it feels like a, a very like working under a Gestapo or KGB era, you know, um, sort of communist idea. Mm-hmm. Where oh, I would read that book. That's a great yeah. pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, there's a bit of that now, but but uh, with Arnold Drake touching it, it's just so it just started, but it, I, it just wasn't quite getting there. And he's already buried in the the backstory that's been just slapdash together for the for the yeah. story, the whole arc in the character so far. Um, yeah. So the and then the Silver Surfer just. Uh, it's they decided that Silver Surfer needed to be an enormous book. So uh, first they didn't. I don't know why. Do you know any backstory on that, Brian? Like why they didn't just make this a twenty-two page book? No, I, the only the only reason I can assume is that uh, there was so much demand for a Silver Surfer book that Stan was like, "Let's make it a double size, double size book. Charge twice as much for it. Um, we'll do forty pages of story." Um, and then we'll literally recycle old Larry Lieber stories, uh, of the watcher. From, <laughs> yeah. Of the watcher and, and just have Gene Colan or whoever redraw them. Um, and that'll fill out the book. And yeah, I mean, I think it's just, uh, so I think that was the, the decision to try to cash in. Um, and I just don't think there was in none of the stories we've read so far, I don't think there has been enough story to justify that page count. Um, no, not at the all. John, John Buscema's artwork is great. I mean, he's, he's putting in more than a day's work, but um, you know, it's just, it, there's, there's definitely a point, you know, we've read a few issues now um, cause we're a little bit ahead on what we've recorded. And it's just, there's the point in a lot of silver surfer stories where it just starts meandering. Um, and we're like, okay, where, <laughs> where are you going here guys? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This is like yeah. the, whatever fifth season of lost or something you're like you're yeah. just padding this thing out hey, you Come watch on. it buddy yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the best season <laughs> i just i picked one out of my i was trying to remember how many there were and was trying yeah. to hit a later one i don't know we, we can fight uh, about that another time that'll be all other podcasts uh, yeah. yeah i remember a midpoint in that but it, it just felt like that in in this the story could have been a every silver surfer could have been a great 22 page comic yeah um, i think so yeah yep He's like uh, maybe one of the first like power creep problems in the Marvel <laughs> universe. Like, what do you do with a guy that can maybe do anything yeah. or is depowered and can do nothing? Like it, either one of those isn't inherently yeah. interesting. He has yeah. the Superman set of mm-hmm. problems of being alien, but but not having the, uh, you know, having been raised on our planet. He comes yeah. from somewhere else. And so he. Yeah, it's just what what do you do with him? He can he can absolutely destroy the world if he wants to. He can uh 
he can't leave. That's his, that's his only thing. He just can't leave right. because yeah. a bigger guy won't let him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Turns uh, out his one weakness is page count. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and then not brand Eck. Uh, it is uh, leaving because it sucks and uh, should, <laughs> shouldn't have existed in the first place. And it's expensive. Wow. It's not yeah, it's funny. Another, yeah. It's another 25 cent book. It's not funny. Um, Sorry, guys. Like, it's just going to lay it right out there. Like, <laughs> it's a bad idea. It, so, Was it less bad at the time? I don't know. I mean, it got canceled after 13 issues, so I don't yeah. think we're in the minority opinion. Yeah, yeah there right, were right. other humor, you know, cartoon mags that were doing all right. And they, yeah. they were funnier than this. So, yeah. yeah, I've read my share of mad magazines and uh, especially near this time period. And they're they're there's some stuff that sucks, but there's a lot of funny jokes in there, especially yeah. making fun of the things going on at the time. Not brand Eck is just flat. Yeah. And I have yeah. poked Painful. into a couple more of them, Brian, even though I will not read a full <laughs> issue of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's, I don't know. It, it like, it adds nothing to the formula. You know, mm. it, I mean, if you thought cracked was kind of a derivative knockoff of mad, like, I mean, cracked looks like, it looks like national lampoon compared to uh, <laughs> not brand Eck. It's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read one or uh, in air quotes, read uh, yeah. is, issue eight and was like, Oh, this is brutal. This yeah. Is a brutal it's, experience. It's pretty not good. Um, well, it's remarkably uh, not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it, it's impressively not good. Uh, so, Oh, and of course, uh, Marvel also published captain Savage and Sergeant Fury last season. None of the issues are on Marvel Unlimited, so I don't know. Read a wiki or something. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. A- anyway, uh, last season had some of my favorite stuff uh, that we have read so far. Um, had some stuff I was less impressed with, but um, overall, I think it was just like it was a really exciting time of growth for Marvel. Like they launched a bunch of new titles um, and, you know, new creators came on board and you're just kind of seeing like everything's feeling like it's it's really hitting its stride now um it this no longer feels like a a two-man or three-man shop um but it feels like this is the like the flowering of what we now know as the marvel universe yeah and even weirdly uh after reading this this many comics from this era seeing comics without lee and kirby as mm-hmm. the creators that are great, like mm-hmm. that, that can stand up with those because you, we hadn't so far. So yeah. now it's just, it's hitting where, and Roy Thomas had some <laughs> swings and misses on X-Men, sure. but mm-hmm. uh, seeing Roy Thomas and John Buscema, I'm like, I want to see anything you guys want to make now. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and I want to read more Arnold Drake. I want, you know, I, mm-hmm. there's, we have creators that I'm interested in and have, you know, we had Ditko when it started too, but it it's, that was it. It was like, that's why everyone says Lee Kirby Ditko all the yep. time. Right. Uh, right. Now is where the other people start to Ramita and other people start to really shine. So totally. Yeah. Excited. Yeah. Jazzed. Yeah. Well, next season kicks off in one week. Next week, we'll be back with uh first episode of the new season. It'll be the comic books of September 1968. 
you can join Patreon at patreon.com slash Marvel by the month at the $4 a month level to get access to our bonus feed. On week one, that feed will include a version of the first episode of season six that is probably going to be about 45 minutes longer uh, than the free version um, once I finish the edit. Um, we had a fantastic guest, uh, and we're really pleased with the way the episode came out. So can't wait for you to hear it. Um, uh, on the same day, you will be able to listen to our Quick Hits supplementary episode that covers all the comics that we did not cover in the main episode. That is like an hour and a half of bonus content in the very first week. You cannot lose. <laughs> you can't afford uh, not to. <laughs> <laughs> You're leaving all this content on the table. What are you doing? Uh, so, yeah, patreon.com slash Marvel by the month. Join at the four dollar a month level to get access to all that. Um, and then uh, Apple podcast reviews or any podcast service you use that supports reviews. Uh, leave us a five star review. And uh, if you'd like some free stuff in the mail, send us a screenshot of it to Marvel by the month at Gmail dot com. You can follow us on Instagram at Marvel by the month. Marvel by the month dot com has links to our other social channels as well as our shop. So until next week, my name is Brian Stratton. Mine is Rob Milne. Mine is Jamie Wenger. Get that super soldier serum as soon as you're able to. And until you do, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay inside and read comics. Mm-hmm.